0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast. Making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Tuesday, August the 9th, 2022. It is currently eight twelve p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from Abilene, Texas. So, another day. Another day is fast approaching its end. If you're listening to me live, now, if you're not listening to me live, I don't know what time it is. I don't know what's going on. But for us right now, it's Tuesday evening, and this Tuesday is fast approaching its end. So I have to ask you a question. How did your Bible study go today? Did you spend some serious time studying the Word of God? Do you, did you spend any time studying the Word of God? Even if it was only 5, 10, 15 minutes, did you spend any time reading, studying, meditating, memorizing any actual engagement with the Word of God today? Now, maybe you did, maybe you're, you you know, you're looking at the clock and you're like, man, Tuesday is almost over. I, I haven't done much with Bible study today. Can you help me out? Well, hopefully I can, because it is time for another episode for our series, Bible Study Exercise. And you know, the goal of this series is to try to move you from a passive listener to an active participant. I give you homework. I give you assignments. I give you things to think about, questions to answer. We give you, we provide you curriculum if you would like access to it. All you have to do is email me. We give you curriculum. Anything we can do to get you actually studying the Word of God, we we if we can do it, we attempt to do it. Doesn't mean we're always successful. Um, I, obviously, there's a lot of people who prefer a different approach in their podcasting. They don't necessarily want to podcast that's more designed trying to get you to actually do the study. Some people just like to be a passive listener and just sit there and someone kind of just feeds them the answer. But instead of I, I hate to use this illustration because it may sound like I'm being condescending, but I'm not. I'm not trying to be condescending, but I'm just the way I imagine it. You can either listen to podcasts where they take the spoon. They dip it into the food and then they're like, okay, open up. Here it comes. And then they place the spoon in your mouth and they basically, you know, spoon feed you. I tend to look at this podcast as here's the spoon. I place it in your hand. I'm like, there's the food. Dig in, start, start digging in and, and get some spiritual nourishment. I want to just kind of put the spoon in your hand. For you to feed yourself, not just me. Now, sometimes, yes, I'm, I do actual teaching in this series. Obviously, if you've been listening to it any length of time, you know that. Just go back to the episode we did on Sunday, where I spent over an hour behind the pulpit at Victory Baptist Church, looking at First uh, Timothy chapter two, verses what one through three, one through four, I mean, maybe only the first three verses. And I think there was plenty of teaching right there, where I was in a sense doing the feeding. But then we turn right back around when we start a new week of Bible study, and I'm like, okay, here, work on this. Look at this. Look at this. Consider this. Do this. You know, I I give you all kinds of different assignments so that I, in a sense, place the spoon in your hand, and then you have to feed yourself. And some people don't like that. I mean, I understand. Some people were like, no, I don't want to have to do the work, but I'm telling you when that For your Christian life, for my Christian life, we have to engage in Bible study. You can't spend your Christian life just sitting there, and and again, I'm not trying to be condescending, but sitting in a high chair waiting for someone to go, open your mouth, here it comes. No, no, I, I... no, at some point you've got to get out of the high chair, and you have got to go. You know what? I can get my plate. I can get the spoon, and I I can dig in because that is a part of spiritual growth where you're engaging the scriptures yourself. You're learning, you know, methods of Bible study. You're learning hermeneutical principles that you can utilize to try to come to a conclusion and interpret the text yourself. The goal here is to is to move you from, in a sense, spiritual immaturity to spiritual maturity so that you no longer toss to and fro with every wind of doctrine so that you grow because the only way for you to grow and the only way for I to for I to grow spiritually is to actually dig into the word of God studying it learning it applying it struggling with it asking questions so that's what I attempt to do I you only I guess the listeners determine the success or failure of said program. All I can do is place the program on every uh, uh, you know platform on earth, which is what we have tried to do. This podcast is available literally everywhere. All I can do is just say, here's what we're trying to do. Here it is. And then people will either hit play and go, nope, not for me. Or they will go, well, you know what? That's a unique, most podcasts don't do things that way. This is this is something interesting. This is something different. This is something spiritually beneficial. That's what, and so I'm hoping that the people who would find this to be spiritual beneficial are the ones who will find this podcast. So if you ever have any questions about what we're attempting to do, trying to do, if you like it, if you dislike it, whatever feedback you would like to give us, you can always email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif.com. At yahoo.com I'm sorry I'm tra- trying to take a drink of water. There you go. Sometimes I forget to mute the mic while I'm trying to take a drink of water. but okay, so that's that's what we that's kind of the philosophy, the goal of this program. We talk about it all the time, but I I, I, I like to remind you of that to just challenge you to actually pick up the spoon and dig in so that you can grow spiritually as a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. The word of God, it is inspired and it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction and righteousness that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. I could go, I could quote scripture after scripture after scripture, telling you and showing you the importance of the word of God, and you've got to actually study it for yourself. I cannot stress that enough. So, enough of that. Let's now transition into our study for this evening. Now, if you've been with us since Sunday, you know that this week we are looking at a very important subject. The subject is very simple, very straightforward. It is this. As a believer, as a Christian, we are called to honor our neighbor, Now, if you put all of these studies together, we started in Luke 10, the parable of the Good Samaritan who is my neighbor? Okay. I am supposed to love my neighbor as myself. Who is my neighbor? And we realize that's basically any person we come in contact with any person that we come in contact with who has a need. We, we, that's our neighbor and we are to love them as we love ourselves. But it's easy to say that we need an actual definition of love. So we went from Luke chapter 10, like verses 25 to 37 over to 1 Corinthians 13. And we tried to answer the question, what is love? All right. And That was a very important study. We didn't come close to to doing everything we needed to do with that section of Scripture, but we looked at it. Then from there, we went over to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and realized that when it comes to our our neighbor, we've identified who our neighbor is. We have identified we're supposed to love them. And a part of that love for our neighbor is to, well, pray. And we talked about prayer in 1 Timothy 2 maybe in a way that you haven't heard, but basically it's this idea. We are to recognize the spiritual need in the lives of people. We are to see their spiritual need and we're to take that need directly to God. We are to take that need directly to God. And, And then you can go listen to everything else we said about that section of scripture. But we have to see their spiritual need bring it to God, and then in a sense have a conversation, have an interview in a sense with God about the, 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 need, the spiritual needs of the people around us. If we truly love our neighbor, we will perceive the spiritual need and we will bring it to God because God is the only one who can meet the spiritual need. I can't meet the spiritual needs. You can't meet their spiritual need. No church can meet their spiritual need. It's only God who can meet their spiritual need. When it comes to people's physical need, The Bible seems to say, don't sit around praying about it. Do what you can to meet that that physical need. So that, that was a very interesting study. We won't go back to all of that. Then this week, we go to Romans chapter 12, where we learn about honoring our neighbor, right? Honoring our neighbor and the curriculum. I'll go back to the curriculum because I think it's very important. The curriculum had kind of an interesting tagline. Love is seen in how we honor others. It's one thing to say, who is my neighbor? It's one thing to say, okay, I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. What is love? It's one thing to say, well, if I love my neighbor, I will see their spiritual need and bring it directly to God. But it's a very important thing to understand that the way that love is seen is in us honoring others other people? Do you honor your neighbor? Do Who did you honor today? Who did you demonstrate honor to today? Was it a stranger? Was it someone at a, at a business, at work, in your family? Who did you show honor to today? And how did, because and showing that honor, that's how your love for them is seen. That's kind of the the philosophy the curriculum is going with. So here's what we're working on. We're working on Romans chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. And we're really going with the concept that honoring your neighbor is the main focus here. And that is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love, in honor, preferring one another. In honor, preferring one another. Another translation. Reads this way, Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters outdo one another in showing honor. We have a responsibility to honor our neighbor, to honor anyone we come in contact with. So that's really the way we're kind of building the theme this week is honor your neighbor. Now, what does it mean to honor your neighbor? What does it mean to honor others? We're we're working on trying to flesh that out and define that. But I just want to continue to remind you of this concept of honoring other people. And if you remember, we looked up the Greek word that's translated honor here. If you have the Blue Letter Bible app, I always like to tell you so that you can participate with us and look everything up that I'm looking up. If you uh, grab the Blue Letter Bible app, you open it up to Romans chapter 12, find verse 10, tap on verse 10, open up the antilinear, go down to the word in honor, and remember it was this Greek word. Strong's G, 5092, Teme. teme, teme, teme. So you, I want you to remember this Greek word this week, teme, and you have to constantly ask yourself, have I shown teme to anyone? And the idea, teme, it's used 43 times, it's translated honor 35 times, and remember, it means a value, money paid Concretely or collectively, valuables by an analogy, esteem, especially of the highest degree or the dignity itself, honor, precious price and sum. It, it refers to like a, a price that is being paid, but it's a price being paid because you're paying that price because you esteem something of great value. You pay the price because you know you want that particular thing. Well, in this particular case, you pay the price of showing honor to people because you esteem them. You're showing how you value them. You're showing how you show respect to them. The outline of biblical usage for Time is a value by which the price is fixed, of the price itself, Of the price paid or received for a person or thing bought or sold, honor which belongs or is shown to one. So again, it's the idea of paying a price. You pay a price for something that you you honor, that you value, that you think is important to have. Well, you pay the price to honor people but because you're esteeming them. You're showing that they're of value. In a sense, you are placing that before yourself. And that's what you're supposed to do. Are you honoring people that way? Now, it's one thing to say, yeah, okay. It's one thing to tell your kids, you better honor your mother and father, but you have a responsibility to honor others. Are you doing that? And any anywhere com- coming close to anything meaningful. Now, we know we're going to fall short of all of these things, We're never going to love our neighbor the way we're supposed to. We're never going to love anyone the way we're supposed to. We're never going to honor anyone the way we're supposed to. Christ is the only one who loves the neighbor the correct way. He's the only one who knows what true love is. He's the only one who shows honor in a correct way. Christ is. So our only hope of salvation is that his obedience to these concepts is imputed to my account. But we are still called to do this. So who did you show to May to today? Now, that was Romans 12, 10. Now, we can talk about the concept of honoring others, but what does that look look like? So last night, we went back to verse 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Let love be without dissimulation. And we're like, okay, so what does that mean? Well, Let love be without dissimulation. If you go back to Romans chapter 12, go back to verse 9, Romans 12, go to verse 9, click on the antilinear. Be without dissimulation was this Greek word. Strong's G 505, Anupakritas, Anupakritas. Anupakritas, Anupakritas. And hypocritos is used six times in the King James, four times unfeigned, one, uh, one time dissimulation or without dissimulation, and one time without hypocrisy. And hypocritos means, uh, Basically, undissembled, sincere, without dissimulation, hypocrisy, unfeigned. It's unfeigned, undisguised, it's sincere. In other words, that if you're going to show honor to people, then you have to show a love that is without hypocrisy and uh, a, a love that is without disguise so many times we we may claim that we're honoring people and we may claim that we love people but here's the reality so many times when we say i love you we're really saying i love me that we put on a mask that says we love but it's with dissimulation it's with hypocrisy it's not unfeigned it, there's it's it's corrupted because in reality we love people for what we get we love people for the benefits we receive. We love people because, and it's about us. It's not really about them. So many times, even when we say we love God, it's not that we love God. We love ourselves. And since God loves us, I'm going to love him because, well, of all the benefits that come from him. So many times are we don't show honor to people because we love people with hypocrisy, a, a love that is corrupted right? So it's supposed to be a sincere love. Well, again, we fall short of this, right? Now, tonight, we come to the next phrase, Romans chapter 12, verse 9. So if we're going to honor people, we need a love without dissimulation. Now, immediately we realize we fall short, but this is something we have to strive for. We have to really be honest with ourselves I don't know if I have ever loved anyone without dissimulation because all of my love is tainted in some way, shape, or form. And so many times when I say, I love you, I'm simply saying, I love me. But the very next thing is found in verse nine, Romans chapter 12, verse nine. If we're going to actually honor others, we have to abhor that which is evil, We have to abhor that which is evil. Now, I'm just—I'll have a question just to give you right now, just for something for you to meditate on this evening. Why is abhorring evil? I mean, again, we're, we're 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 breaking the text down in a specific way. We're kind of starting with the honor and kind of backing back up and building everything around this concept of of showing honor to others. But So I will connect it this way. How is abhorring evil connected with honoring others? How is that connected with honoring your neighbor? How is that connected with with loving others correctly? What is the abhorring evil? How is it connected to those concepts? Well, let's start with the word abhor. Let's do that. So let's go back to Romans 12, verse 9. Back to the interlinear right? Abhor. I think we we probably have a pretty good idea what this word is, but let's look it up anyway. Abhor, it's this Greek word. Strong's G, 655. Apostageo. 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 Apostageo is the word here for abhor, and apostageo is used one time, one time, and it's used, and it's translated abhor. It's right here in Romans chapter 12. Apostageo means to dislike, abhor, have a horror of. The strongest definition, to detest utterly. All right. Uh, apostageo is to not, not just to dislike something, it is to utterly detest it. It is to have a, to be almost a horror of like when something is so horrible, I can't look at it. I can't see it. I don't want anything to do with it. If we're really going to honor others, we have to detest and abhor evil. Now that brings into a a very obvious question. Why is honoring someone showing love to someone has anything to do with abhorring evil? Well, I think we should know the answer. The answer should be obvious, because evil ultimately destroys people's lives. Evil harms people. Evil attacks the sanctity of life. It is It attacks the image of God that we are created in. It, uh, the evil is destructive in every way, shape, or form. It always destroys. It always hurts. Whatever supposed pleasure or good evil brings, it's only temporary. So if we truly, 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 truly love people, if we truly, truly try to honor people, then it would be our normal, we we should be pursuing abhorring evil. Now, immediately, once again, you realize you've never shown honor to anyone. You've never loved anyone because you don't truly abhor evil and I don't truly abhor evil because there is plenty of evil that while we are abhorring one kind of evil, while we are condemning one kind of evil there are plenty other evils that we do not abhor but we have a secret desire for and a love for and no, no matter how much you deny it you're just denying reality it is true uh, another translation translates Romans 12:9 this way detest evil detest evil Abhor evil, dislike it, detest it, have a horror of it. it, It's almost like it's it's too horrible to see. You can't even look at it. Now again, I, I have to stress this. On one hand, this passage is giving us basically a law that we're going to fall short of all right we're never going to do this anywhere close to correct only in Christ is the only one who has truly detested and abhorred evil in a correct and biblical way we we barely we we, we just try to pretend at it we never even come anywhere close and here's the reason why the reason we can never truly abhor evil the way we're supposed to is because inside of us is a sinful nature which not only promotes evil and promotes it, it desires it, it craves it, it imagines it, it thinks it, it comes up with new ways to demonstrate it. That's what's inside of all of us. The evil that we're supposed to to detest is first and foremost found inside of us. So we're always going to fall short. But on one hand, we can say, well, I'm always going to fall short, so I don't have to worry about it. No, we're still called that we have to honor others. How do we honor others? Well, first of all, we love without dissimulation. And second, we abhor that which is evil. So here, here's what I want you to just think about tonight. Now, again, I, I'm making most of these episodes relatively short because in some cases I just I just want to give you like I want to just give you a little bit to consider. I I could I could go through more of these, but then that's just trying to. I, no, I'm I'm I'm. I'm being very deliberate and, and backing up and covering each one again, letting you hear the Greek word for each one. I'm really wanting you to get at this in your mind. Okay. One, so that you just realize how far you have fallen short of all of this. You don't, you don't love your neighbor the right way. You don't love anyone the right way. We, we fall short of all of this. But on the other hand, I want us to be convicted and go, wow, I need to honor others. I got to love without dissimulation. Okay. Now, I have to abhor that which is evil. So here's your task. I want you to really, 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 really think about this. What can you and I do as sinful human beings to grow in a dislike, a detesting of evil. How can you and I grow in a detesting of that which is evil? Now, a lot of Christians, I think they they put on they kind of put on a facade. They kind of they kind of put on pretend, right? Oh, I detest and I hate evil. Therefore, I don't watch certain kind of movies and I don't listen to kind of music and 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 somehow think that that means I, I I've abhorred and I've detested evil when all you've done is adopted an external list of morality that somehow makes you feel superior, but in reality, you. You may not be watching it. it doesn't mean you detest, abhor or hate it. It just means you're avoiding it and in some cases it just becomes a source of spiritual pride. So even if you're detesting that evil, you got another evil building up inside of you. Now I'm not saying that you can't have standards. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that sometimes we we go for we go for the most external showy ways to supposedly prove that we do something. I don't know if we I, one i don't think we will never truly abhor evil but i think it is something to ask ourselves how can we grow in that what can we do and i think the, i think the only thing we can do i think the only thing we can do is attempt to see evil to see sin From God's perspective, now we have a tendency to want to see sin from God's perspective when we're considering the sin of the world, when we're considering the sin of others. We, have, I, I think, if we're going to abhor evil, I'm going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to say this. You can tell me whether you agree or disagree. To grow in a detesting and abhorring and despising evil, it must start with your own evil. Like it can't start with Hollywood, the world, the LGBT community. We always want to we always want to externalize and say, "Okay, I'm going to show my hatred for evil by focusing on that." I think if we truly detested evil, it would manifest itself by be, by perceiving the evil in us first and foremost. In other words, if we truly detest evil, we would be we would be consumed with the evil in us before we were so upset about the evil outside of us. I I don't think I think the when you demonstrate a a detesting or hatred of evil that's external to you, I I think that actually proves you don't hate evil. I think the people who in a sense they they protest too much. The people who run around yelling and screaming at this sin and, this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin and this sin. So many times the ones that run around pointing the finger are the ones who sometimes when the smoke clears, find out that there's a lot of skeletons in their own closet. I think the abhorrence of evil begins with a, you're consumed with the evil in you. I think, I think, I think when you abhor evil external to you, and that seems to be your focus, I think that's a pretend kind. I think that's a, that's a abhorring evil with dissimulation. I think it's the idea, it's a pretend uh, hatred of sin. You've got, I think if you truly hate sin, you're going to, you're going to be the first one to rip your own clothes, tear your own garments in a sense, throw, sack, throw ashes in the air upon yourself and say, "Woe is me! I'm undone." You, I think the only way, if you're truly if you're truly growing in your hatred of evil, it's going to be um, a ever increasing awareness of the sin and evil inside of yourself. I I think it has to be because if, 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 because there's just no way if you truly hate evil, you're going to realize the evil that you supposedly hate it's inside, you know, it's inside of you. It's inside of me. Who am I to be running around worrying about everyone else's evil when I've got enough right here inside? And maybe you can sit there and and and, and act so sanctimonious and and and, and spiritually, you know, self righteous. But I think all of that demonstrates that you're not truly abhorring evil. You're abhorring maybe a moral system that you disagree with more than you're truly abhorring evil. Now, the word evil, we will look it up. I I, I haven't bothered. Yeah, because I, I don't think we're going to find any major truth here, but let's look at it. I haven't looked it up in advance, but let's let's look it up right now. Um, okay, hang on. That's the wrong Greek word. Abhor that which is evil. Go back to the interlinear. Abhor that which is evil. Evil here is this Greek word. Strong's G, 4190. Panera. Whoa, okay. What was that? <laughs> Strong's G, 4190. Pane ras. Pane ras. Pane ras. Pane ras. Not a word, not a Greek word that I that is ringing a bell like right, right, like as soon as I hear it, Pane Ras. I'm like, oh, I remember no, no this is one is not one that's coming immediately to me. Pane Ras is used 76 times. 51 times it's translated evil. 10 times wicked. Six times wicked one. Two times evil things. Um Strong's definition, Pane Pane Ras hurtful, that's interesting, Uh, evil, properly in effect or in influence, and thus then it differs from some other Greek words, which refers to essentially as character as well, which indicates, okay, um, there's a lot here, it can can be ill, diseased, morally culpable. Um, Let's see here devil sinners bad evil grievous harm it's interesting it hurtful and harm seems to show up a lot the outline of biblical usage full of labors annoyances hardships pressed harassed by laborers bringing toils annoyance pearls of time um uh, full of pearl to the Christian faith and steadfastness, causing pain and trouble, bad of bad nature condition and a physical sense, disease or blind and in an ethical sense, evil, wicked and bad. Uh, the Thayer's Greek lexicon, again, it goes full of labors, annoyance, hardship. It's just interesting. So it's uh we are to abhor that which is evil because that which is evil seems to hurt. It's to harm. It, 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 it brings hardship and and illness in a sense, a spiritual illness, blindness, uh, spiritual blindness. In other words, it's destructive. I think this kind of helps us get a little bit of why if we're going to truly honor others, we have to abhor evil because evil destroys, it hurts. But I, I think we have to see the destructive nature of evil in us before we, look, we are not qualified. Let, let, let's just start this. We have no business of even attempting to point the finger at anyone else until we see the evil inside of us. I think I think one of the ways evil ha- takes a stronghold in us is that evil almost whispers to us, Look at them, look at them, look at them. Now, and evil may say, hate that, hate that evil, hate it, get upset about it, get bothered about it, scream about it, get so ticked off about it because it then takes the focus off the evil inside. So I think the I think the I think the number one way evil takes stronghold in us is evil tells us to get upset about the evil outside of it. It wants us to get upset. It wants us to get mad. It wants us to condemn it and preach against it and yell and scream and rail against it and and just act so disgusted by it. And I think sometimes the more Someone yells and screams and and tells you how disgusted they are by it. Is it uh, to me? It's a sham. It, it's covering up the reality. Now you can't always say that. So you got to be careful here. You can't just make that accusation. I just know that there are times I've seen people get very mad, very upset over something, and then you come to find out they're so mad and upset about something because where well they have a struggle inside themselves with it, and they are in a sense projecting. Their hatred, not on the sin in them, but on the sin as it's exposed externally to them, because it makes them almost feel somehow some sense of self-righteousness. If we're going to abhor that which is evil, it has to start inwardly. There is no abhorrence of evil. There is no detesting of evil. There is no true hating of evil Until it begins with the evil that is inside of all of us. And we have to see its destructive nature. We have to see how it has hurt us. We have to see the damage that it is is doing, that it has done, is doing, and will continue to do. And that evil will always remain in us. That's one of the things that, from a biblical perspective, sometimes it bothers me that I feel Christians almost act like this is not the case. Even though you are saved, the evil is still inside of you. The sinful, evil nature is still functioning, powerful, and active. It does not go away until glorification. I, I, I hate the dead air there, but in some ways, I kind of I want the dead air there. I want you, to, I want you contemplating this. So, let's put it all together. Let's put it all together, all right? Let's go back to Romans 12. I won't put back everything that we've done over the last few weeks together I, I I still want you to go back and look at Luke 10 25 to 37 I want you spending time in first Corinthians 13 I want you spending time in first Timothy 2 verses 1 through 8 and then I want you spending time in Romans chapter 12 verses 9 to 21 but right now here's what I, for this week all I want you to focus on is Romans chapter 12 again verse 10 be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another I want you to really consider that concept of honoring other people how do you honor others You honor others, number one, by having a love without dissimulation. All right. Now, I'm I'm not going to repeat anything we've said about that. And then to abhor that which is evil. Have you ever truly experienced a true abhorrence of evil inside of you. Have you ever felt that truly detesting it? Now if you if you'll say, "Well, I saw this sin and I saw this sin and it bothered me and I got s- upset about it." I think the minute you feel yourself getting upset and bothered by an external sin, you may want to stop and ask yourself, "Hmm. Why am that why am I getting so bothered by this external sin, but I don't have that same detesting, that same level of detesting and hating and abhorring?" And, and and hatred for it. I don't have that same level of that type of thing for the evil inside of myself. There is no true abhorrence of evil until you experience the abhorrence of the evil inside of you. There is no true abhorrence of evil. there's no true detesting of evil until you experience that detesting that abhorrence for the evil inside of you first. And if you think about it, if you truly want to honor others i'm'm gonna I'm, gonna I'm gonna push this thesis out there and you can tell me what you think. If you truly are going to love others, if you're truly going to honor others, would you not then be most concerned with the evil in you that so often leads you not to love others the way you're supposed to, that that constantly leads you to honoring yourself over everyone else and constantly leads you to words, actions, and thoughts that actually hurt other people? Maybe the reason we are to abhor evil is because we have to abhor the evil inside of ourselves because it's the evil inside of ourselves that keeps us from truly honoring people, truly loving people. And 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 constantly it leads us to honoring ourselves and loving ourselves. And it constantly leads us to saying and doing that which hurts people, minimizes people, destroys people, disregards people, ignores the sanctity of their lives, don't don't treat them as people who are bearing the image of God. Just it, it leads to every wrong way of thinking and engaging with other people. I think we're on to something here. I think we're on to something. So this. I, I wish there was a room full of people right now, because right now I feel like I should be hearing. Ooh. Oh, wow. Wow. I've never considered that. Wow. I never thought of it that way. That that's what I that's what I'm I'm wanting to hear right now, and I'm not hearing it. I'm just hearing silence. I'm not hearing silence. I I I I, I I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Th- th- because this is what I should be hearing right now. Okay, all right, maybe not. Okay, maybe I feel that that's what we should be hearing right now because I think we just kind of stumbled onto a, a very interesting approach here. The abhorring evil is we have to abhor the evil in us because if we truly honor people and love other people, we would realize the thing that hurts other people is the evil inside of me. So I can't honor you and I can't love you until I hate the evil that is inside of me because the evil inside of me leads me to honor myself, love myself while I'm pretending to love you and while I'm pretending to honor you. All right, you can email me your thoughts, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. I don't feel bad for reviewing so much tonight. I know we spent, I know I spent a lot of time trying to give you my philosophy, but that review, I'm trying to get you to go back and just see the Luke passage, the first Corinthians, the first Timothy, trying to go back into Romans 12, seeing the Greek word for honor, seeing the Greek word for without dissimulation, seeing the Greek word for uh, um, abhor evil, Um, I I want you to, I want you to just get those Greek words down. So if I've got to be repetitive, I'm going to be repetitive this week because I'm trying to, this week, I'm really trying to bring all of these concepts together. I'm trying to connect all of the, of the cars to the train so that we can bring this study ultimately to a, 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 to the station. And we all, in a sense, get off the train going, whoa, even though that appeared to be very simple stuff, that was some very important spiritual principles. That's what I hope will will be accomplished. We'll see if we can get there by the end of this week. All right. Can't wait to hear from everyone. Uh, Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Can't wait to get your feedback and your thoughts. You can tell me where you agree or disagree. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great night. God bless.